Sony. Good afternoon, Canada. Today's date is August 4th, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of unscripted, unedited, and for the time being, uncentered commentary on Canada's issues. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. I want to start off, uh, I just want to congratulate Andre DeGrasse for winning gold in the 200 meter uh, at the Olympics this morning. Uh, it's quite a feat. He set a Canadian record while doing it. So congratulations to him. And uh, Damian Warren uh, or Warner is, is uh, in first in the decathlon. And uh, another Canadian, um, his name has slipped my mind, but he, uh, Pierce, Pierce something, I forget, uh, but he's in second in the decathlon. So uh, congratulations to those guys. Excellent. Yeah, the only one I had actually heard of about was Damian Warner. So the other two are a surprise to me, but congratulations and best of luck to the Canadian women's soccer team facing off against Sweden for the gold medal. Uh, go Canada. Yeah, go Canada. All right. So on the show today, Go Canada, all right. The Canadian Football League kicks off tomorrow. Justin Trudeau is Justin Trudeau. What's in a name? Election speculation and election fever. And there's more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start off with uh, CFL football. And we'll get on to the serious Absolutely. I am pumped up. The CFL season kicks off tomorrow, August 5th, uh, with a rematch of the 2019 Grey Cup, which was the last CFL game that see and anybody else in Canada. So it's going to be an exciting kickoff to the season, and even more exciting is Friday night when BC Lions travel to a sold-out Mosaic Stadium in Regina. Oh, sold out. Sold out. I'm really excited. I don't have one of the tickets, but yep, the game is sold out. And, uh, wow. That's un- crazy. Of- I didn't I didn't even know that they were going to allow a full house. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I actually didn't know that either, but they, they have allowed a full house. And unlike Winnipeg, Ben and Regina do not have to bring a vaccine passport to the game. Great. Yes, that is great. I'm really disappointed that Manitoba that they've uh, gone full draconian on on such a thing as sporting events, but that's their choice. Regina said no, so uh, good on Saskatchewan for that. Yeah, so I uh, I can't wait for some football. It's been way too long. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, that opening that opener in in Saskatchewan is. You and I are going to be on opposite sides of the fence on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we are. And exciting news. Uh, just actually out today, Randy Ambrosi said that the door is still open to talk with the XFL, and they have agreed to talk in the future. Oh, so, God. So, I'm, you know, I've actually I've come around a bit on that issue. I... At first, was like, okay, a merger is a horrible idea because um, I don't want to lose the Canadian rules. 
But I've come around to think, you know, a merger could be a great opportunity for both leagues, but we really need to make certain that we keep the core of our rules because the CFL actually knows how to put games on the fields, whereas the XFL is more of a marketing machine. Yeah, I just I just think the CFL needs to do their own thing. And if Randy Ambrosi's only uh, his only idea for building the CFL is to merge the XFL, then Randy Ambrosi needs to go. I mean, he's already made a mockery of uh, of uh, uh, East Coast expansion by awarding a franchise to a city that doesn't even have a football stadium or even a deal to get a football stadium. Um, it's, and I mean, who knows when that team will ever see the field or if they ever will see the field. And it's, it's crazy that he, that, that they awarded a, an expansion franchise uh, to Halifax. It just does not make any sense. And so he's, to me, um, He's a small idea guy. He doesn't have any big ideas, and CFL needs a big idea guy. You're right about that, and they need a marketing campaign. And you said this on the show before, that they really need a marketing campaign similar to the Radically Canadian campaign. Because, sure, it was an an in-Canada campaign, but was it ever successful? Oh, yeah. I mean... And, I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, two of the most memorable uh, slogans that came out of that marketing campaign was our balls are bigger, uh, referring to the actual football, being a bigger football than the NFL football. Um, and uh, and then one, it, it was longer, wider, faster, better. And it was, I mean, they were great slogans, a great campaign. And then when... They got rid of the, uh, I think they fired the commissioner, and then when the new commissioner come, came in, his his exact quote was, there's nothing radical about the CFL. And so he killed that marketing campaign. Yeah, crazy, because, yes, there is something radical about the CFL. It's an awesome game. <laughs> and it's much different than the American game, a lot different. And that's and that's what people don't understand. Like, it's not just three downs versus four downs. There's so much more to it. There, the games are different games, and I, uh, I just I I prefer CFL because it's more of an air game. It's the air a lot more, and and those big passing. I, I mean, I do enjoy the four-down football, too. I mean, the, the rules are different, and they're different games, and it's okay to like them both. Yeah, I think that that's fair enough to say. So I'm excited, and I'm still leaving some vacation days open in December just in case we get, get to go to Grey Cup. So I'm keeping that in my back pocket. I, uh, I still don't know if I want to sit out in the stadium in the middle of December that close to the Great Lakes, but you were starting to get me on board with talking about maybe we could say we were at the only Grey Cup ever to be played in December. Yeah, that's I, I'm still on the fence with it myself. <laughs> and uh, <but> this, <laughs> they, just so the audience knows, uh, anybody who is not a long-term listener, uh, Tony and I go to the Grey Cup every year, 
And so the last great or the last CFL game played before tomorrow, we were at it. We were at the Great Cup in Calgary, and and it was it was cold. It was really cold, and it wasn't nearly as cold as it's going to be in Hamilton. And that's one reason why I'm on the fence about even going. Yeah, when I even thought, hey, we could go and watch the game in a sports bar, but who knows what's going to be going on with public health restrictions. So uh, it's really going to be a last-minute kind of decision, I think. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, of you know, public health decisions, I mean, Alberta has has just completely moved theirs altogether. Like, there's no COVID restrictions at all in Alberta anymore. Um, there's not. The only public health restriction that I've heard of is – they haven't yet lifted the uh, the quarantine orders if we or the self isolation orders if you have a if you have a positive test, which the, I believe will lift on the sixteenth. But right, and then it'll just be uh, like when you have the flu, they you know just recommend you self isolate. So excellent, New Brunswick actually. Um, I didn't know that until I read it on True North. But New Brunswick actually lifted all the restrictions July 31st. So they technically were the first province to lift every restriction. But yeah, we're opening up New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, BC, Alberta. We're uh, we're all talking freedom. Yeah, I mean, to get on. But, but here's the crazy part. There is a push in Ontario to ban Albertans from traveling to Ontario because of this. Oh my gosh, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, it, and it's a it's a real thing. This isn't just a handful of people making noise. Like, there's a big, uh, it's a it's a pretty good sized number of people that are pushing to have Albertans banned from traveling to Ontario because they don't have any restrictions anymore. This is the kind of ridiculousness that this fear and division has created. Yeah, that's, uh, and there was, of all the funny things, and uh, we shared this on our Canadian Common Sense Facebook page, the a story that there was actually a protest in Edmonton demanding further government restrictions, demanding the government, you know, clamp down on people. And I thought, if you're out there protesting for lockdowns, why would you be out in public? Wouldn't you want to be at home saying, lock us down? I mixed messaging to me. Yeah, and and I mean, like I I actually saw people online uh, commenting. I mean, of course, Facebook and Twitter are just you know just cesspools, right? But yes. Um, but I, I've seen commenting on Facebook and Twitter saying that anybody who gets sick with COVID, if you're not vaccinated that you should have a hospital bill yourself. Um, how about no? Um, we, I don't smoke. I've never smoked, but my tax dollars pay into health care for people who have you know, smoking-related lung disorders, for example, and that's their choice. Yep. And not to mention... Country, other countries around the world, such as Israel and Iceland, who both have more than 85% of their people vaccinated, are finding that the ratio of vaccinated versus unvaccinated people who are catching COVID is the same as the ratio of 
people in the general public that are vaccinated or unvaccinated. So 85% of the people are vaccinated. Well, 85% of the new cases of COVID are vaccinated people. Well, that's interesting. So that almost makes one think that the the vaccines aren't working after all. Yeah. And I mean, we've been seeing some, some stuff about that lately. Uh, Like uh, there's, there's talk that, um, that, bo- that, you, that the body is taking the vaccine and it's actually, uh, I'm trying to remember, it's called ABE. Um, and uh, and, I, and I'm sorry I even brought it up now because I can't even remember exactly, I can't remember what ADE stands for. And, and I don't understand what it means, but I just know that uh, ADE means that uh, it, your body absorbs the vaccine and does not do anything to actually prevent anything, any, any disease now. Well, that's interesting. I mean, a couple of that with uh, a study I had read that was done in the States and I read about it on post millennial, but I can't remember if it came from the CDC or the NIH, but regardless, the U S government body. And, their study had shown that natural immunity actually was more effective than vaccines. So, for example, um, someone who caught COVID, you know, before getting a vaccine, fought it off like so many people have, and that natural immunity apparently is actually more effective than vaccines. So then the question came up. Rob Smith actually asked that he's a podcaster in the states. He had COVID, and he said, "Why the hell would I get a vaccine when I've got better immunity naturally?" So, uh, you know, and, and that's that to me is a very valid, valid question. Yeah. And, and that, that whole um, natural immunity being stronger than vaccinated immunity. Uh, I mean, it, it was it was more of just a confirmation because I mean, it's something that in science they already know uh, that once you've had a disease, you have way better um uh, immunity than if you took a vaccine. And that's just that's just uh, common knowledge in, in science. So the whatever study it was, that was just more of a confirmation than anything. Um, but it's uh, yeah, like people who've had it, like my sister, um, have better immunity than those who have had a vaccine. Now my sister had a really bad case of it, as you know. Uh, where she went blind, deaf, and lost the use of her hands and feet um, for for a short period of time, and she she got vaccinated on top of that. So, my sister should be bulletproof. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, but like for myself, like I'm I'm double vaxxed. My wife is double vaxxed. Both my kids are, um, and uh, we've been. Where we're seeing now that Pfizer is, has applied for approvals for third and fourth shots, France is already administering third shots, and I have a feeling it's because they're finding the vaccines are not effective, um, and the, and Pfizer is even saying that we're going to probably have to get yearly booster shots, and. My wife and I have already discussed it. We're like, no, 
we got our two shots. We're not getting any more. We're done. Yeah, well, I heard that there were, there was talk about annual booster shots, and uh, I mean, full disclosure, I have not had a vaccine yet. I was I'm not anti-vax. I am waiting for Vito Intervac to get their vaccine into clinical trials, and I have signed up for said trials. But the longer this goes, and the more information keeps coming out, the happier I am that I haven't taken a shot yet. Yeah, well, you know, and I, and I mean, I was texting you um, after my second shot, and I was like, I've been sleeping for three days. <laughs> yeah, it beat the crap out of you. Yeah, yeah, I didn't feel sick, but I slept for three days. And yeah. uh, my wife, my wife got super tired, but uh, it only lasted a day for her. But for me, I was, I, I slept like 16 hours a day for three days. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I normally only sleep about seven a day, but, uh, so yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal on me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's there's there's lots of information that we're getting. Like such as here here's here's a number that people don't understand. Ninety nine point six percent of all the people getting COVID are unvaccinated. You've heard that number tramped out in the uh, in the media. You've heard Justin Trudeau say it. You've heard Joe Biden say it. You've heard Kamala Harris say it. You've heard Fauci say it. You've heard Bonnie Henry say it. You've heard Theresa Tam say it. Actually, know what that number means? I don't. That number means since the beginning of the pandemic, ninety-nine point six percent of the people who've gotten COVID got it who were unvaccinated. That's what that number means. It does not mean. It does not mean that the that everybody who got it in the last week, that 99.6 of them were unvaccinated. It means that since the beginning of the pandemic, they were on 99.6% were unvaccinated. Well, no kidding. We had a, a, a virtually an entire year of people getting it without a vaccine. Well, yeah, because we didn't have any vaccines to give them, of course. Exactly. <laughs> but that's a number that's being completely misconstrued and and being and, and the, the general public is being completely misled by it naturally so all right so you mentioned justin trudeau a minute ago so let's transition into our our favorite topic and i think we said probably about the second or third episode of canadian common sense three plus years ago justin trudeau was dumb and that was your revelation, Lewis. I'll have to give you credit for that. I'm going to add to that that Justin Trudeau is a classic narcissist in that it's always about him, and he doesn't even realize how dumb he is when he opens his mouth. But we're going to share that with you, Canada, because we love talking about how dumb Justin Trudeau is. So, so here the revelation is Justin Trudeau is a dumb narcissist. <laughs> I I don't think that's much of a revelation, but thanks for playing, Tony. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. So <laughs> Justin Trudeau is salivating over a federal election. And Lewis and I both said it's going to be called probably within the next week now, but the dates that we were thinking of, a mid-September vote. And we are going to do predictions at the end of this segment of what we think is going to happen in said election. But first, to talk about Mr. Trudeau, he's likely going to call that election and telegraphing the election, I think, in my opinion, is he has appointed eight senators since late June. And now, bear in mind, it was Justin Trudeau who said they are independent senators. Okay, hot tip to Senator Denise Batters, who is a conservative from Saskatchewan, very, very active on social media. Now, this this tweet of hers actually has gone somewhat viral. She decided to detail these eight independent senators that have been appointed since late June, five of whom are big Liberal Party of Canada donors, two of whom were failed Liberal Party of Canada candidates in 2015 and 2019. One was a Trudeau Foundation director. One was a former Liberal MNA, which is a member of the National Assembly of Quebec. And one of whom was a union boss who ran a big anti-conservative party Canada campaign in 2019. Independent senators. Oh, yeah, that's totally independent. Yeah. <laughs> totally independent. I mean, completely ignored the fact that Alberta wants to uh, elect their own senators. Yeah, and, that, and that's what really ticked me off. He appointed the mayor of Banff, Alberta. Nothing about her. So, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know her politics, but I'm going to assume she's a liberal based on the other appointments. But Jason Kenney specifically asked Justin Trudeau to hold off appointing senators until the, uh, the October election in Alberta was complete because he wanted them to respect Alberta's tradition of electing senators. And he put he put it in writing and he asked them in person when they had their last meeting. I think it was, was it in June? Then what they all, all met last time? Whenever it was. Doesn't I believe matter. so. Yeah. yeah. But Jason Kenney specifically in person asked him and then put it in writing. Justin Trudeau thumbed his nose not only at Jason Kenney and all of Alberta, but at democracy itself. And it just it picked me off how much how arrogant this guy is. Well, yeah, I mean, we know Justin Trudeau is 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 a dumb dumb. And we know that he is an arrogant dumb dumb. But he's also he's also a tone deaf dumb dumb arrogant narcissist you know i mean <laughs> i if every name in the book that you pretty much describes him i mean yeah he he did this with the with the with the senators and and appointing the senators but how about his his public comments about the montreal canadian draft pick oh i'm so glad you brought that one up now Logan Mayu is the name of this this kid who just got drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Now, for our international listeners uh, outside of the United States or Canada, the Montreal Canadiens are the most successful and most storied franchise in the National Hockey League. Any kid who plays hockey dreams of being drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, they are 
I won't say they're the best team consistently, but they just because they've got this aura about them. They're the Montreal Canadiens, and that's really all you have to say. Yeah, so, I mean the Montreal Canadiens last won the cup in 1993, which is the last time a Canadian team has won the cup. And but prior to that, the Montreal Canadiens never went more than seven years without winning the championship. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and uh, they've brought us some of the absolute greatest players in the history of the game. I mean, Guy Lafleur, Ken Dryden, Jock Plant, Maurice Richard. Uh, God, the list just goes on and on. Yeah. So anyway, so Logan Mayu uh, was drafted by the Canadians, and Justin Trudeau decided to put his foot in his mouth and actually make a public statement about it. Now, I'll back up and give you the history behind why this is even controversial. Logan Mayu played for a third-tier team in Sweden last year because the Ontario Hockey League didn't play, so the London Knights put him on loan to this Tier 3 team. He was 17 years old. He had an 18-year-old girlfriend in Sweden. They had, a, um, they had a sexual encounter, and... Mr. Mayu took a picture of her and showed that to his teammates. And that is morally reprehensible. I will never give him a pass for that. But he actually showed the strength of character that he apologized multiple times to her, to his team, and he fully cooperated with Swedish authorities because, of course, that was against the law as well it should be. Yeah, and he was, and he was charged. That's right. Yep. And he fully complied and he took his punishment like a man. And, and yeah. so then he, and, and, and honestly, and honestly, as controversial as this might sound, I actually commend him on his, the way he handled it because yeah. he, because he publicly and privately apologized to the woman multiple times and, uh, and has fu- and fully cooperated with the Swedish authorities. And he, He's genuinely remorseful. Exactly. And he actually, now, Lewis, I'm not sure if you know this, the, the exact detail on this. He either he put it on his social media or else he sent a letter to each team. At any rate, he asked not to be drafted in the 2021 draft because he wanted a chance to prove himself and regain his good name. But the Canadians obviously decided that they were more interested in him as a player, so they drafted him. And Justin Trudeau, absolutely, completely clueless, narcissistic knob that he is, saw an opportunity to get in front of a camera and said, well, as a lifelong Habs fan, I am so disappointed in the Montreal Canadiens for making this decision. And actually made a comment about Logan Mayu's moral ineptitude. And I thought, do you not know who you are, Justin Trudeau? I mean, Logan Mayu was 17, and I'm not going to give him a pass for youthful bliss or whatever. Justin Trudeau was 28 years old in July of 2000 at the Kokanee Music Festival. Lewis, you know where we're going with this one. When he manhandled a reporter for the Creston Advance, who also happened to be writing for the National Post in Vancouver province. And in her article, she said he, quote, manhandled her. And his apology was, if I had known you were writing for a national paper, I wouldn't have been so forward. 
Skip forward 18 years when Justin Trudeau was confronted about that incident again. He says, I don't recall any negative interactions that day. And then he blames the victim by saying she experienced the situation differently. Who the hell are you to talk about Logan Mayu, Mr. Trudeau? Yeah, he's incredibly tone deaf. Yeah. And like, and like we said before, he's he, he's a dum-dum. I mean, he's, he's a... He's a dumb narcissist who is so arrogant that he believes he can call someone else out for doing something uh, that he himself is guilty of. Not the exact crime, but but assault of a woman. Well, yeah, and he is guilty of it. And the, and the difference is Justin Trudeau never took responsibility for his actions. No, whereas Logan and he never, has never done everything. And he never, never apologized. No, he blamed the victim, and then he said, that should be a lesson for all you Canadian men. What? Yeah, yeah exactly. And and here's and the thing is, is that this 18... Uh, is, has, has shown more strength of character and, and than, than Justin Trudeau has ever shown in his life. Agreed. Yeah. And so, no, I mean, Justin Trudeau, he, just this alone, like, should be headline news, and it's not. Like, you heard a little bit about it in the, you know, the National Post and, uh, you know, um, Millennial, but other than those two places and us, like, you really haven't heard much about this. No, and you won't because there's an election coming up and Justin Trudeau needs to do well in that election. So good God, you don't you dare paint any negative light on it. No, exactly. All right. So speaking of said election, um, we are going to bring some predictions for you, Canada. You're not going to like my predictions. Now, it's expected to be called... To, to be, I'm guessing the vote is going to be mid to late September, which means Justin Trudeau is going to have to go to the Governor General, who was just sworn in last week, by the way. I forgot to add that. Um, so Justin Trudeau will have to ask her to dissolve Parliament, drop the electoral writ, sometime within the next couple of weeks. And while I do see a path for Aaron O'Toole, which I will discuss after after I ask for your prediction, Lewis, I said it before, Canada. I think you're going to have to get used to Justin Trudeau as your prime minister. Yeah, and I agree with you. I I think that Justin Trudeau is going to win this next election. Uh, will it be a majority? It's possible. Um, and I and I did and I couldn't say that going into the last election. I. I Last election, I, I said it would be like a, a minority conservative government, uh, and it ended up being a minority uh, liberal government. Uh, this time, I'm calling it for a, a minority liberal, but it could possibly be a majority. And to do this, because I mean, as you just heard for the last 10 minutes, like, we are not fans of this guy. He is the dumbest prime minister we've ever had. He's the most corrupt prime minister we've ever had. And that's, and that's fact. That's not just 
conjecture or us, you know, exaggerating anything. It is a fact. He's been found guilty of of the of ethics violations. He's possibly going to be facing his fourth investigation on on ethics breaches. And and I mean, and, and the thing is, is like I don't even think these are as much ethics violations as they are illegal activity. And but he's the prime minister, so he guess who controls the RCMP. I mean, one of his ministers and I just I'm just uh, uh, I, I, I'm just speechless because I don't understand where Canadians are coming from I really don't and I mean and I told you this in a text here the other day I said if he wins again I will write the referendum question myself like, I will be all in on Western separation if he wins again. Because the only reason he's going to win is because of Ontario and Quebec. That, well, and the Maritimes. The Maritimes went almost all liberal in 2015. I, I think they actually swept the Maritimes in 2015. I, I just, I've got, I've got a, an entire half of the country that just does not care that the other half is getting screwed on a constant, continuous basis. And they we got half the country that does not care that they have the most Canadian history. They We've got half the country that does not care that we've got a, uh, a prime minister that is dumber than the fence post in their front yard. Like, I All true. don't... I don't understand where Ontario, Quebec, and the Maritimes are coming from. I just don't. I mean, we've got they're spending money so fast. They're borrowing, what, is, what was it again? They were borrowing $424 million a day, I believe. I mean, it, it's it's like those numbers are, you can't even fathom what those numbers are. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, it is. You're right. I can't fathom those numbers. And that's the thing. Like when you say we are now $1.4 trillion in debt, I mean, it, it glazes over all Canadians, myself included, because I I can't picture, you know, how many stacks of loonies that is or how far to the moon and back it would go. Like it's just, it's just, that's just a big ass number. That's all it is to me. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a number that's so big that people just zone out. They don't, they, they go, wow, okay, whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, well, but exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean, and we've talked about this before, right? I mean, it's like Canadians, we, we just don't seem to care. We just shrug our shoulders and go, eh. yeah. And I think you're right when you say that uh, it is Eastern Canada. I mean, the Maritimes in 2015, you're right, complete sweep for the Liberals. 2019, I think all but three or four seats went to the Liberals. And it looks like there was actually, a, I can't remember which pollster was on Power and Politics. No, bear in mind it was Power and Politics, a CBC show. And uh, this pollster had said the polling numbers for Justin Trudeau are somewhat misleading in that the Liberals are likely to do better in the seats they already hold 
but he says they really don't have any room to grow their seat count. And I will give him that in that the Liberals are actually behind the Conservatives in BC. And that says a lot. And here's where I'll talk about the, the path for Aaron O'Toole. Well, first, I'll give my prediction. My prediction is I also think it's going to be a, a Liberal minority. I don't see a path for Justin Trudeau to get a majority. And but it doesn't matter if he gets a minority and he's propped up by the NDP again, we're going to get, you know, more Justin Trudeau dictatorship. But here's the path for Aaron O'Toole. And it's a very narrow path. And I don't think he can walk it. But if Jagmeet Singh outperforms himself in any kind of debate and on the campaign trail, and if Jagmeet Singh can, can get enough votes to sort of split off some, some liberal votes and lead away some green support, maybe the Conservatives will be able to sneak up the middle in a few different urban ridings and possibly get Aaron O'Toole a minority. But that to me, that's as good as he can do. Isn't it sad that with how poorly this government has performed and how corrupt this government is and how dumb our prime minister is, that Aaron O'Toole can't win a minority government unless Jagmeet Singh does really well? God, that is sad, isn't it? It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think I think that Pierre Poiliev, if he had run for the leadership, he would be the leader right now, and the Conservatives would actually have a legitimate shot at winning a majority government. I agree with that. I mean, have you seen his latest ad? I have not. It's fantastic. Go to uh, go to YouTube when you after we're done this show, and search up Pierre Polyev's ad. It is it is so good. This is what the conservatives should be doing with with Aaron O'Toole. Oh, oh now I have to check it out. All yeah. right, so we've got about yeah about seven or eight minutes here. So, what's in a name, Canada? Well, we're about to find out. There is a gentleman in Ontario who feels that the Ontario flag is offensive and needs to be changed. But what about Dundas Street in Toronto? How about John A. Macdonald anything? Bishop Grandin High School in Calgary and, good God, the Grandin LRT station in Edmonton. Those have got to get changed. And British Columbia? How colonial is that? Yeah, that's actually a real thing that's being pushed by the CBC. Of course it is. Yeah, the CBC is 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 kind of, is oh, I almost said surprisingly, but <laughs> I stopped myself because it's not. But the CBC is actually pushing this narrative that the name British Columbia needs to be changed. And it's it's unbelievable. And I read the CBC article and it's, I mean, it's, it's a CBC article. Let's just say that. But they're saying that, yes, the name needs to be changed because of course it's, it's colonial. And why is it colonial? Because it, you know, 
references the Columbia River named for Christopher Columbus, who, of course, is evil. And fun fact, number one, Canada and America, for that matter, Christopher Columbus never actually set foot in what is now North America. He made it to the Caribbean. He made it to El Salvador, but he never actually set foot in North America. Just a fun fact. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Most people don't know that, and 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 the and the Americans still celebrate Columbus Day, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's true. So there was to talk about changing the name of British Columbia to a more indigenous name, and I thought, well, naturally. Then, as you read further in that article, then it says, well, really, the uh, the borders of of BC are a colonial construct so maybe that needs to be looked at and i and again i have to ask where does it end canada good it hasn't yet yeah this is something that actually there's a push around the world because there's some really naive people that believe that all borders are colonial uh are relics of colonialism um to a degree, they're not wrong. Uh, in Af- like the the African borders, like all the borders between all the African countries, that that was set up by uh, by I believe the UN. Um, and uh, and so I mean, and, and they're saying well, the borders are, have always been kind of soft borders, not hard borders. That they they move and they change and. And all this, and uh, I mean, but, but let's be real here. I mean, we live in a borders are kind of necessary. Uh, I mean, you don't just want to let anybody into your country. I mean, there's there's people out there that want to hurt us. Yeah, and I don't buy the argument that borders are necessarily colonial constructs. I mean, yes, Africa is a good example of how they were established by outside powers. But as an example, the southern border of the United States, as far as it concerns Texas, and I guess Texas was actually an independent country at one point in time, but Americans, you know all about that. After the Mexican-American War, the border was agreed on. This is where the border is going to be because what is now New Mexico, California, Arizona, and Nevada, much of Nevada, was actually Mexican territory before this war. So that was an agreed upon border between Mexico and the United States. So not exactly a colonial construct there. And there's there's many other examples across where mountain range X is a border, river X is a border. And you're right. We need borders. Yeah, we absolutely do need borders. I mean, would you really want like uh, our country to be flooded with with uh, with you know people from countries that don't share our values? The Taliban. Hey, there you go. Uh, yeah, that's that's an example. I mean. We're, we're allowing, like right now, we're letting in a lot of people that, that don't share our values. And, uh, but we could be letting in people, like people who violently want to oppose us. And if you don't have borders, 
then that's what happens. I mean, if you don't have borders, you can easily be invaded. It's and, and I people tell me I'm a conspiracy nut, thinking that we're going to get invaded. Well, it's possible. It still happens. It's not like you know Crimea wasn't just invaded. It wasn't. It's not like Ukraine wasn't just invaded. Uh, or that Hong Kong wasn't just invaded. I, and Taiwan is probably next. Let's say, yeah, they're about to be, yep. Yeah, I mean, like, it's still happening around the world. Like, countries are being invaded around the world. And if you think the Americans are going to protect us, they might. But do you really want to take that chance? I mean, the Americans, the Americans are pretty, they got their own shit right now and they don't really want to have to defend Canada's borders because we have the longest unprotected border in the world by a large margin and it's expensive the Americans don't want to protect Canada they'll probably do it if they absolutely have to but they don't want to They'll probably just reinforce their, their their security on the 49th parallel. So, can, you know, countries invading other countries is happening all around the world right now. It is still happening. This isn't some, you know, relic of centuries past. It's it is still happening, and and you don't want that to happen. So you're saying that wars are not a colonial construct? Wow. <laughs> Because <laughs> that'll be um, next, I'm sure. So. Yeah. So, anyway, Canada, we're going to leave you there for tonight. Uh, do want to thank you for joining us, and hopefully, when we get our episode out next week, we'll have a better idea on when officially the election federally will be and we'll be close to voting day in nova scotia that is august 16th so we will bring you an update pre-election for nova scotia and as we always say so much more canada but until then it's tony in saskatchewan and lewis in bc good night good night canada